Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, if you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device and open up the YouVersion app. It's also called the Bible app. We have already uploaded all the notes and all the scriptures. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right up here behind me on the screen. If you're watching us online at one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you guys and so glad that you guys are a part of our family. I, didn't, I wanted to just uh, <clears throat> put a little asterisk here because um, sometimes when you hear someone like Pastor Barry, Pastor Barry is very, very prophetic. He's been a prophetic voice in my life. And sometimes in the church that can seem like, woo, it seemed like weird or creepy or very ethereal or out there. But really what a, what a person who is prophetic is, is just somebody who God drops things in their spirit that are going to happen. And so, uh, I, I know that when he got up here for prayer and when he said, um, Romania, some of you, like, in, I know in his mind, because I know him, I've been knowing him for 25 years, I know that he was like, oh, I misspoke, but let me just say this, because I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped this in my spirit when I was in the back. He was like, some of y'all need to pay attention to that. The fact that he said Romania to me, it felt prophetic. And so, yes, we want to obviously pray for the Ukraine and for those people and for everything that's going on there. And the, the, it's, tra- it's just tragic and the the things that are going on and we want to pain in prayer over that but when a prophet says something like that I felt like the Holy Spirit was like and I want you to pray for Romania and I, I believe that prayers of people who are patterned after prophets will sometimes prevent things and you'll never hear about them and if you don't pray about them then you may uh, hear about them so that was this a, a little sidebar in what I felt like the Lord had said in the back. Because uh, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that so many of you know. If you went through confirmation, you memorized it. When I was a kid growing up in school, we used to stand up every morning. We used to sing the national anthem, and we used to recite the Lord's Prayer. Unbelievers, non-Jesus people, kids that weren't in church before there was a separation of Jesus and schools. We used to stand up and every morning we used to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our day. I'm talking about ghetto, thug, nasty kids that were on their way to prison. They, they, know, they may not know much about Jesus, but they know this prayer. And, and it was a prayer that was intended to be a guideline, that was intended uh, to be a pattern. And it's not that there's anything wrong with reciting it or repeating it or memorizing it, but it was really meant to be a pattern for us to know not just what to pray, but how to pray. Of course, among other places, we find it in Luke chapter 11. It says, on the day that Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, 
teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also have forgiven everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, Matthew, he also records a version of these events. It's the same event, it's just a different perspective. You know that you can have two people in the same place at the same time, hear the same words, see the same event, have a different effect, have a different memory of it, have a different interpretation of it. And so Matthew, he's a, he's a different person. So he is a different perspective. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed hmm, be your name. Hallowed, such a churchy word, be your name. And early in the series, I, I made the case that we should start our prayers with worship by, by lifting up God's name, the name that is above every other name. So Matthew says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he's saying, after we worship, we should pray not for our will, but for God's will. And I would like to propose to you today that prayer isn't about presenting your wants and needs to God. Prayer isn't an opportunity for you to drop off your wish list, your laundry list, or your to-do list to God. It's not about God changing his perspective. It's about you changing yours. It's not about getting God to focus on you. It's about getting you to focus on God. It's not my will but thy will. It, it, it is meant to be God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so today, I, I want to talk to you about praying what we would call a kingdom come prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We're grateful to you, grateful for you. This is the day that you have made, and so we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. God, as as life happens, as situations change, as challenges present themselves, we pray that your strength would increase in us. God, pray that your wisdom, your discernment, your insight, your intellect would increase in us. God, that as we present ourselves to you, that you would find us pleasing in your sight, that our praise, it would be a sweet-smelling fragrance to you, that God, as we present ourselves to you, you would make us smaller as you make your presence in us bigger. God, help us pray kingdom comforts in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, so in the Old Testament, I mean, there's lots of really great books in the Old Testament, but there are two books in particular uh, that are called the Chronicles. They are very creatively named First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. And a lot of us, uh, if we're being honest, we kind of like to skip over those. Particularly, we like to skip over First Chronicles because it contains this extensive genealogy, a, a really long list of names most of us can't pronounce, which quite honestly can make us feel stupid. And so even if we read Second Chronicles, which is so sick, I mean, Second Chronicles is filled with, like, if you're a dude, you should love Second Chronicles, there's like some super like Hollywood-esque, like Braveheart 300. Like when I, when I read Second Chronicles, I picture like, you know, this is 
spot. Like, it's just, it's so sick. There's somebody getting stabbed or sliced or stuck or a head chopped. It's just dope. If you haven't read Second Chronicles and you're a dude and you say the Bible is boring, like, get into that. So, like, some of us, we may read Second Chronicles because we're bloodthirsty, but a lot of us skip the first. Uh, but in the original Hebrew Bible... Uh, these books weren't actually divided. They were one book. They were actually called the events of the days, or uh, they were also called the annals of the days, which sounds way cooler than First and Second Chronicles, doesn't it? Like the annals. It's like if you're at a bookstore and it was a dusty book that was wrapped in leather and you were just looking for something to read on your vacation and you went, oh, the annals of the day. It's like, yeah, I just, I don't know, maybe you're, maybe I'm stupid. It just sounds better to me than first, first and second Chronicles is I would never pick that book up. And, and so in, in the first, you, you have nine chapters that essentially are this really long family tree. It's like the ancient ancestry.com. So-and-so begat so-and-so who then begat such and such. And when you divide them into two books, first Chronicles has like this really long thing, like 300 names. It's like name after name after name. It's like the literary version of Zequil. It's like <laughs> boring. You go, God, do I have to read this? If I want to read the whole thing, can I just put this on? Can I listen to it on the Bible app and put it on two and a half speed? And so it's like this name after name after name after name, which, you know, you're trying to figure out how to say them. And so you, right as you're about to doze off, right in the middle, one guy gets a shout out. Watch this. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So Jabez cried out to God, the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from evil so that I will not cause pain. And, and God granted his request. Uh, in the year 2000, there was a guy, a pastor uh, named Bruce Wilkinson, who he, he wrote this, this little book called The Prayer of Jabez. And when I mean little, I mean like little, like you could sit down and you could really read the whole book in, in one sitting. And I mean, it, it, took, it took like four to 6,000 years for this guy to finally hit. But finally in the year 2000, his story took the world by storm. Pretty soon, there was prayer of Jabez everything. T-shirts and pens, coffee cups and mouse pads, koozies. People could drink their Bud Light and they could keep it dry with a prayer of Jabez. They could pray the prayer of Jabez and also have a cold, disgusting treat. And all of the hype around this book kind of watered it down. It actually came under some attack by dusty, crusty theologians. But what I want to tell you today is that this obscure prayer and this obscure passage prayed by this obscure person is an example of a kingdom come prayer. The name Jabez actually means pain. In the Old Testament, there were only two ways that names were chosen. Number one, by, by the situation that the family found themselves in at the time, or number two, prophetically. So in other words, they, they chose the name by what was happening at the time, or, or by what they believed was going to happen in the future. Either way, it's not a good sign for Jabez. 
Jabez was living this every day. He was living with a label, the label of pain. We've all been forced to live with labels, haven't we? Fat, skinny, stupid, nerd, lazy, worthless, funny, jock, airhead. We've all lived with labels, but labels, they create limits. They produce pain. Hmm. We've all lived with pain, haven't we? Your parents didn't treat you right. Your father, he walked out. Your marriage, it, it fell apart. Your kids, they're not talking to you anymore. You got a bad report from the doctor. Your business went under. You lost the house, the car, your dream. Pain. We've all been forced to live with pain. But to get the most out of this message, to get the most out of this prayer, you have got to look through your pain. In this passage, Jabez or pain cried out in prayer. And we need our pain to cry out in, in prayer. We need our pain to cry out this prayer. When your marriage is falling apart, you're, you need that relationship to cry out this prayer. When your finances are falling apart, when, when the nation that you came from is under a barrage, you need to cry out this prayer. But the problem is that typically when you're in pain, this isn't your prayer. <laughs> Normally when you're in pain, you talk about your pain. You have somebody who's in pain, a friend who's in pain, and, or for, for, for whatever, whatever the length of their pain is, that's what y'all talk about. How you doing today? Well, you know, you, you ever get somebody that they live in their pain. Pain happened and somewhere along the line they made a run to Cabela's. They got them a tent and a cot and a camp stove and they determined I'm gonna live in, they're not gonna walk through that pain. They're gonna stop in that pain and God doesn't want us to stop in our pain. He wants us to walk through our pain because every time we are trusted, come on somebody, every time we are trusted with pain, we are being given lessons. We are building muscles that we didn't know we had. You build different muscles in pain than you do in pleasure. So when you're in pain, you pray, God, deliver me, God, help me, God, heal me, or, or you say things like this, God, I thought you would never leave me or forsake me, God, I thought that you would supply all my needs according to your riches and glory, I thought that you were a friend. This sticks closer than a brother, but, but, but Jabez, he didn't, he didn't do that. And instead, Jabez prayed four things. He prayed, God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, that you would be with me and that you would keep me from evil so I don't cause pain. Isn't that interesting that pain prayed that he wouldn't reproduce himself? Some of you need to start praying that you would stop reproducing yourself. You've got issues and you've got hang-ups and you've got hold-ups and you've got habits and you've got things in your life that you have passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation and you find yourself in a bar with a bunch of bums on a Saturday night. That's good, buddy. Because your dad found himself in a bar with a bunch of bums on a Saturday night and you found yourself your whole life saying, I don't want to be like my dad. And one day you woke up and you looked like your dad and you smelled like your dad because his koozie covered his Bud Light, but it wasn't with the prayer of Jabez. It was with the pain and the problems of his own life that he inherited from his father who inherited from his father. But I refuse to carry the sins of the past generations of my family because I will walk through my pain rather than pitch my tent in my pain. 
And so Payne prayed that he would not <laughs> reproduce himself because Jabez understood the way that I'm going to get free of my pain isn't even for God to deal with my pain. Hmm. Instead, Jabez shows us that there's a, a different prayer for us to pray in the midst of, in the middle of our pain. And notice what happens when he prays this different prayer. The Bible says, and God granted his request. I wonder. I wonder if he would have prayed the opposite, if God also would have granted him his request. I wonder if he would have muddled in his puddle if God would have just let him stay wet, if God would have just let him stay muddy. And some of you are so busy muddling in your puddle that you don't even realize that it's not even raining anymore. You're wet on stuff that happened yesterday. You're muddy on stuff that happened yesterday. And yeah, it was fun when you had your boots on and when you put your Paddington bear coat on and you went outside and you jumped up and down and you got wet. But at some point, you got to get out and dry off. And so he prayed and God granted his request. Could it be that thousands of years before the Lord's prayer was ever even prayed, Jabez was praying a kingdom come prayer? I think so. And so today I want to give you four steps to praying a kingdom come prayer. And, and, and here's what I want. I would love, I would love for you to put this to the test for the next seven days. I think sometimes you come into church and it seems so grandiose, doesn't it? It seems like this guy has studied this thing all week or we've studied this thing for six months or you know, whatever it may be. For example, uh, after this series, uh, you know, I'm, I, I kind of think, I try to think forward, right? I try to think, okay, what are we gonna talk about after this? We don't like make these up on the spot. Thank God, I used to do that, I used to preach off of sticky notes or off of a three by five card. And I would just get up and I would just kind of just tell stories. And I was basically a, you know, a, a Christian stand-up comedian with one scripture. And uh, it, it was fine. It just was irresponsible. And uh, so we try to think, we try to think forward about, about what we want to do. And so, uh, for example, uh, following this series, uh, we, we were going to go into a series on the book of 2 Timothy, which we are. We're gonna do 10 weeks on, on the book of 2 Timothy. And you go, what? How do you get that much out of that little? It's just, there's so, it's so rich. We could have done you know, way more than 10 weeks. But as I was writing the message, I've already, I've already written message number one, the introduction in 2 Timothy, and I've actually already outlined all 10 of the messages, sat down, read the books, wrote the outlines, and then I set them aside because I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, you know that podcast that you guys just dropped, The Rise After the Fall? Hey, why don't you do a series called The Rise After the Fall? And so as I was praying, I felt like the Lord dropped a couple of people into my spirit to have them come and speak in that series. And so we're gonna do like a five or a six week series. I was gonna be five, but then one of the guys that I asked to speak when I gave him the date, he said, bro, you know that's Easter, right? Like, are you gonna preach your own Easter? I was like, oh snap, I didn't even know when Easter was. And so I have the Pastor Barry's gonna speak in it. I think he knows that. He's gonna speak in it. I'm gonna speak in it. I have a friend who pastors a church in Dallas. His, na his name is Kendall Bridges. I'm just gonna give you the little snippets because this series is gonna be dope. He, he, uh, he, he used to pastor this sick church in Houston. It was my favorite church to go and preach at when I was an evangelist. And it was amazing. And his kids were super amazing. And, and then he had an affair and he lost everything. And then but him and his wife stayed together and they went through this like really long restoration process where God brought them back. And now he's pastoring this super dope church 
in Dallas. And so my friend Kendall's gonna come in and he's gonna talk. And then I have another friend named Lee McFarland. And Lee McFarland, uh, he, was, uh, he was executive vice president of Microsoft International. He, his office was next to Bill Gates. And uh, God called him to plant a church. And so when he left Microsoft, he lost all of his stock option. He lost his retirement. They took everything away from him. He went and he planted a church in Surprise, Arizona. It blew up. It became the largest Assembly of God church in North America. 6,500 people. They served 12,000 Krispy Kreme donuts every single Sunday. I was like, come on, somebody. God, come to church just to get the donut in Jesus' name. It's well, we get the free coffee. And so, uh, so then my, my friend, Pastor Lee, life happened, and I'm not going to tell you his story, but his life fell apart, and he had to go through the restoration process, and now, now he had to come back. And then my third friend, come on, somebody, Maury Davis, and you guys ain't even ready for this guy. This dude killed somebody. Murder. Yeah, I'm going to let him tell the story because it's graphic and it is gory. This cat got saved. Come on, Brown County Correctional Facility. Got saved in prison. Got out, started a church, and it grew to 5,000 people because there is a rise after the fall. And so, like, we, we think about what we want to talk about in advance. I say all of that to come back and say sometimes it gets, like, grandiose. And you go, this dude's been thinking about this for like six months, and then he, we give him 27 minutes to talk about it, and we're supposed to process six months of information condensed into 27 minutes, and if I could just have you leave with one thing, that would be awesome. You just left, and you were like, what did you learn today? We like to ask our kids that. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. I don't know, it was awesome, it was funny. It was, I don't know what I, what I learned. And so here's what I really want you to do. I want you to take this and I want you to put it into a bite-sized morsel. Like not a Chips Ahoy, a mini Chips Ahoy. You feel me? Like the little tiny ones that you just get eaten one bite. So I want you to process these four things for seven days. And I want you to try these for seven days. And if they don't work, we'll delete the message off of the, the internet and you'll never have to think about it again. Here's the first step. I want you for the next seven days to pray for blessing. Now, before you get carried away, there is a lot of misunderstanding about blessing. It's been distorted by the crowd I talked about last week. It's been distorted by that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, daddy needs a new pair of shoes, give me a brand new Cadillac kind of crowd in the church. That's not what blessing means. Those would certainly be blessings if you received those things, but biblically, blessing just means to impart supernatural favor. It means you have God on your side. Now, here's the problem. Some people have a mentality that either God doesn't want to bless them or, or that they have to earn God's blessing, like that they have to do enough right to get in God's good graces. But those thoughts are just as unbiblical as the thought that God is a slot machine. God is not a withholder. God is a giver. Look what the book of Psalms says. It says, surely, and then there's a comma. And the reason for that is because you should pause at the punctuation. It's saying, this isn't debatable. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Now, side note, you can't earn righteousness. Righteousness is a gift of God that is granted. Right, being righteous just means being in right standing. And you can't earn that. That is a gift that God freely gives that is only granted through the blood of his son, Jesus. And, and so the, the writer of the Psalms is saying, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. 
You surround them with your favor as a shield. So when you are praying a kingdom come prayer, what you're saying is, God, bring it on. (laughs) At work, surround me. At school, surround me. In my marriage, in my finances, surround me. Why? Not so you can have more, but so you can give more. (laughs) We're blessed. This is so cliche at this point. We are blessed so we can be a blessing. Now, the prayer of Jabez, I never even had it on my radar till two years ago when my brother, Pastor Barry, Uncle Barry, he, he reintroduced me to the book. He, he said, you need to read this, and I promise you, if you read this and if you pray this every day, he said to me 30 days at the time, if you pray this every day for 30 days, then God, I promise you that God will do something significant in your life. Now. Two years later of praying this prayer every day, I can't even begin to tell you how much God has blessed me since I started praying this prayer. God God has started sending me opportunities and income through businesses and outside speaking engagements, books, real estate profits, so that I was, and I don't say this to brag, I say this so that for the next seven days, maybe you go, but wait, there's more. Like I'm the my fellow guy. Anybody bought the MyPillow and you were like, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest pillow ever. And it was just like the pillow you got at the hotel. It was the same flat taco pillow. You woke up, you could like, I could have just slept on the mattress. Anyway, that's a side note. If you want to buy the MyPillow, come on somebody in Jesus' name. I bought mine at Sleep Comfort. I bought it four years ago. It's still the exact same shape. Here's what I know. When I, I, like over the, since I started praying this prayer every day, I, I have been able to give more in the last two consecutive years than I was even earning from this church just a few years ago. But you can't give anything if you don't have anything. And unfortunately, some of you are living in poverty. And it's not just about money. Some of you are in a poverty of spirit. How can you encourage someone if you're discouraged? How can you share the peace of God if you've got turmoil? How can you help someone else's marriage if your marriage is a mess? That's the message of Genesis 12:2. It says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous. Watch this. And because of that, you will be a blessing to others. That's a kingdom come prayer. But sometimes we don't pray like that because we're too focused on our pain or our shortcomings. And in our pain and our shortcomings, we forget that God is a giver. Jesus said, if you then, even though you're evil, know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? God wants to give you joy and comfort, peace and possessions so you can bless other people, so you can hook people up. So pray this for the next seven days. Lord, bless me indeed. Here's the second step. Pray to expand your influence. Now, Jabez prayed that God would increase or expand his territory. And in the Old Testament, territory always means sphere of influence. So what Jabez was saying was, now that I have stuff, God, I I need more people in my life who I can give it to. And so he said, enlarge my territory. Use me to make a difference. That's why we're big on the 920 and beyond. It's why we're constantly, unapologetically trying to grow this church because we exist to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the people of the 920 and 
beyond. The happiest people I know understand why they exist. It's why we do growth track. We've discovered a good way to deal with your pain is to have something in your life that's bigger than your pain. And that thing that's bigger is influence. Do something that makes a difference. High five people, make coffee, change babies, coach little league, help at a school, do something that makes a difference. Because when you start living a life that makes a difference, your pain gets smaller. That's why the Apostle Paul prays this for you. He said, I keep asking that the God of our, our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that in the eyes of your heart may, that they may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's the prayer of influence. Lord, bless me. Then let me know what to do with that blessing. And don't be confined by your own abilities. God is able to do immeasurably more than anything you can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. So we pray to expand our influence. We pray, bless me so I can make a difference. Here's the third step. Pray for God's presence. The presence of God is the power of God. Jabez said, let your hand be with me. In the Old Testament, anytime you read about the hand of God, it's talking about the presence of God. Look at a New Testament example, Acts chapter 11, verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed, and they turned to the Lord. The the, the hand of the Lord is where God shows up. I want God to show up in my life. Now, do, do I want to be blessed? Absolutely. Do do I want influence? A hundred percent. But more than either of those things, I desperately want God's presence in my life because Zacharias said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit or my presence, says the Lord. You'll never accomplish anything truly great or lasting without God's presence. Like, I, I can't bear the load of leading this church without God's hand. I'm not qualified. Regardless of my, of my education or my experience, I'm not qualified. But thankfully, I don't need to be. And I know that it feels good to be qualified, but how much better does it feel to not be qualified and have God do stuff through you anyway? It, it, if you knew me before, you, you wouldn't have ever picked me. <laughs> Gratefully, though, God has constantly picked people who people wouldn't have picked. No one would have picked Moses, David, Peter, or Paul. To man, Moses was an orphan found in a river, but to God, he was the deliverer of his people. To man, David was the runt of the litter, a shepherd left on the backside of his father's field. But to God, he was the greatest king who'd ever live and a man after his own heart. To man, Peter was a lowly fisherman, but to God, he was the rock upon whom he built his church and the gates of hell would never prevail against it. To man, Paul was a murderer and a traitor, but to God, he was the author of half the New Testament. Man, if God can use them, God can use you. It's why 2 Corinthians says, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, it comes from God. He's made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter, that kills but the spirit, it gives life. So we pray, God bless me, give me influence, and give me your presence. And when those three things happen, the devil's gonna attack you. You're welcome. Because if the devil can't keep you out of heaven, he'll at least try to keep you so distracted by your pain that you never do or accomplish anything. He'll try to throw so much junk at you that you're never 
blessed that you never influence anything or experience the presence of God. So Jabez prayed number four, and so should we. Number four, he prayed for protection. Now, I've got good news and I got bad news. Uh, the bad news is that your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and you are right in his crosshairs. But here's the good news. Psalm 3.1 says, Lord, how many are my foes? Hmm. How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. Hmm. You ever feel like everybody's looking at you saying you're just going to fail, like you're going to flunk out, you're going to flounder, like life is going to run you over? He says, but you, O oh Lord, come on, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. The, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family, your marriage, your kids, your job, your finances, your sanity, your peace. So with that in mind, we need to pray for protection. That's why later in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's saying, God, if I'm going to pray a kingdom come prayer, I'm going to need your protection like never before. So for the next seven days, I want you to pray like this. Lord, bless me indeed. Give me your favor. Enlarge my territory. Give me more influence. Let your hand be with me. Give me your power and your presence. And finally, keep me from harm. Grant me your protection. Why? So I'll be pain-free. And if I'm pain-free, I won't cause pain. If you'll do that, I believe that like Jabez, God will grant your request. So will you do that with me? Just, just, just for the next week, just for the next seven days. Will you pray a kingdom come prayer? Would you close your eyes all across this place? You know, salvation is the ultimate kingdom come prayer. The, the goal of every Sunday in this place it isn't just to grow people. That is a goal. But but the, the big goal, the big win is that somebody would make a decision to enter into the kingdom of God. That is a kingdom come prayer that would say, God, I am, I am filled with sin, but I don't want to be anymore. Would you redact that from my life? Would you eliminate that from my life? Would you let your presence enter into me so that I could receive the gift that you promised of eternal life? And so I wonder if you're here. You'd say, Sean, I, I've not knowingly received the gift of eternal life. I've not knowingly received Jesus into my life as my savior, the one who can rescue me. If you're here today and you haven't done that, we're gonna give you the opportunity to, and here's how. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask for people to do two things. First is with nobody looking around in just a moment, I'm gonna ask for people who say, Sean, I have not invited Jesus in to be my Lord and savior, to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. And once you've done that, that's your act of confession. And once you have completed your act of confession, I'm gonna have you put your hand back down, and, and then I'm going to ask everybody in this place to repeat a prayer of repentance after me. And if you pray that prayer, and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So I wonder if you're here today, and you say, Sean, I, I haven't invited Jesus in my life to be the one who rescues me, but I'd like to today, with nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand, make eye contact with me? Thanks, thanks, thank you. Thanks, 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 thank you, thanks. Anybody? Thanks. I'm going to ask everyone in here to say these words. Say, Jesus, I have sin in my life, but I don't want it anymore. Change me. Forgive me. Come into my life. Make me different. Be my savior. Rescue me. In Jesus' name, 
amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, would you just allow us to be a part of the journey away from where you are right now toward where God wants you to be, which is more like him. You can help us play that role in your life by taking the card that Megan talked about earlier out of your seat back, filling in whatever information you're okay with us having. Tear off the bottom part, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says you're choosing to follow Jesus, and you can put it in the black buckets when they come around here in just a minute, or you can take them out to the Welcome Center. If you don't want to do the paper thing, then you can scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you, or the giant one up on the screen, and that'll give us the opportunity to get to know you and to get to follow up with you. But I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithes in your offering. I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus guy. I'm a Jesus girl. I'm going to heaven. But man, life is tough right now. I wonder if you're here and you'd say, Sean, I'm saved, but I'm going through some pain right now. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If you're in pain, would you just raise your hand so that I could see you? Oh, man. God, for so many people in this place, I, and I pray healing over them. The pain is so heavy, God. It's, uh, it's, it's such a burden. So today I pray that they would live that scripture where you asked us to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And so today, I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would take all of those cares, all of those concerns, and they would offer them up as a sacrifice to you, and that you would take them, that you would eliminate them. Heal them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.